Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier. I have not been more excited. I cannot tell you the nervousness that I feel this morning in a good way, the excitement in my soul, uh, the the holy fear of God because of what I'm about to share with you today. I believe the spirit of revelation – wisdom and knowledge are operable and active in our world today. I believe the Holy Spirit that unveils things, that reveals things, that manifests things is active all over the world to whosoever will seek out the wisdom of God, to seek to understand. Those who search for me, said the Lord, as for hidden treasure... I will be found of them. And I find it absolutely marvelous that we as simple human beings can allow ourselves to go after the Lord to a degree and find the marvelous mysteries that are just waiting to be discovered. And as pioneers and as explorers and as discoverers, of the kingdom of heaven, when you and I just allow just a little bit of time to go after the Lord and to seek things out, it is absolutely phenomenal what he reveals to us. And I'm talking about the treasures of wisdom and revelation and knowledge concerning the things of God. And today, 
I am going to share with you something that I have never known before. I have never found it, discovered it, but today I slept so well last night and I was able to get a full night's sleep. I woke up early enough this morning and as I was preparing a cup of coffee at around 6.30 a.m. this morning, I was looking out the back door and windows of our home and we have a little bird feeder there and I was watching the early bird catch the worms, so to speak. I was watching the birds of the air come to our little bird feeder and they were just feasting and it was so beautiful to watch the the male cardinal feed the female cardinal and as I was observing the birds, of course, scripture began to pour into my spirit and now I understand why I'm going to share this little passage of scripture with you before we get into the revelation concerning the second beast of revelation chapter 13 all right so I want to divest my time myself give everything over to the holy spirit and uh, just join you in an incredible conversation a biblical uh, accurate conversation on Revelation chapter 13 concerning the second beast. And so I want you to join me today. I want these phones to be lit up with questions by the time I'm done imparting and sharing with you what I have learned by the Holy Spirit, a little investigative work with things out there, and, and just an, an epiphany of some things. So we're going to get into that in just a moment. Um, but first, I want to share some scripture with you about our approach to these last days. All right. What I believe Jesus would say to you and I in concerning all the things that are being unveiled and what is coming down the pike. But before I even get into the scriptures, I want to lay forth three names for your deep intercessory prayer. There are three women that are in need of your prayer right now. In about 10 minutes, there is a woman that is going for a surgery, and we're going to ask you to cover this woman in her surgery. She is in Chicago, Illinois. Her name is Marguerite. And she needs your prayer. The next woman is in Arizona. Her name is Lynn. And she is tomorrow on Friday getting ready to go through a reconstructive surgery because of cancer that was in her breasts. And there is the removal of the breast and the reconstructive surgery. It is a nine-hour surgery. Her name is Lynn, and I'm going to ask you to pray for her. And also, there is another woman by the name of Lynn who was just recently diagnosed yesterday with lung cancer in both of her lungs with many spots. This is a very intense thing, uh, and we're going to be praying with Lynn, but I'm going to ask you to pray for Lynn as well. What we're asking the Lord for is a supernatural, miraculous intervention for Marguerite right now that the surgery in Chicago goes perfect, but the Spirit of the Lord would do something miraculous. 
I'm depending on you right now to pray for her. And then these two other women, both of them possessing the first name Lynn, one in Arizona that will be in surgery tomorrow on Friday, and the other one who is just diagnosed right now here in Arkansas with lung cancer in both lungs. There's a lot of decisions that are going to have to be made. And as we go forward to anoint with oil and pray, we just pray that all the energy, all the anointing, all the intercession of all of you out there would keep these three women in prayer right now. Just intercede in the Holy Spirit, pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in your language that you understand. And I want to thank you for doing that. Um, so I want us to really please do that, okay? Uh, that's the most important thing. And I want to offer a little prayer for Lynn, Lynn, and Marguerite right now. Join me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into agreement, two or three of you touching in agreement on anything concerning this earth that shall be done unto you. Lord, you said we could ask anything in your name, Jesus, that our joy would be full. And we are asking for a supernatural miracle to take place in Marguerite's surgery today, Lynn's surgery tomorrow in Arizona, and Lynn, who just got diagnosed with a bad report of lung cancer in both of her lungs. Lord, you know how to cleanse the lepers. You are active. You are operable. And in the name of Jesus, we declare healing and wholeness in these three women in Jesus' name. And Father, if there be anybody listening right now who has been afflicted or is sick, Lord God, we ask you to reach out and heal them as well, that their faith would be strong in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And by the blood of the Lamb, we bind and rebuke all sickness and disease that is being just thrust upon people by the devil in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that mercy triumphs over judgment. If there has been any sin, it shall be forgiven. And Lord, whatever the root cause is, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, bad diet, whatever it is that has opened the door, we thank you that there are solutions, there are healings, and there is repentance to go in another direction. And this we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. So be healed, Marguerite. Be healed, Lynn, in Arizona. Be healed, Lynn in Northwest Arkansas, in Jesus' holy name. Now, as we are moving fast forward into the end times, into the last days, as we are rapidly accelerating into the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth, and we as an end time generation will be confronted by the things that are coming, God is giving us wisdom, revelation, and knowledge through the book of Revelation and through the whole word of God and by his Holy Spirit so that we can understand and not be caught off guard, right? Well, here is, first of all, before we get into Revelation chapter 13, here is a passage of Scripture I want you to be at peace with. I, want, I believe this is from the Lord for you and for me and for all of us, okay? And I'm referring to Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. I just want to lay this out. You take it by faith, receive it into your spirit, let it be written in the DNA of your born-again spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, that's you, okay? You're not just a, 
uh, a distant follower. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here's what he says to you. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. The life is more than meat or food, and the body is more than raiment or clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than the fowls or the birds? And again, at early 6.30 this morning, looking out the back window at our bird feeder, all the different species of birds come there and they, they, they eat the food and it's really beautiful to watch. And the simplicity of a bird's life, right? I mean, they don't have a bank account. They don't have a barn. They don't store any goods. You know, at best, they get some straw to make a nest to have their little babies in. But that's about it. And God feeds them. And God says that your life is much more valuable than many sparrows or many fowl or many birds. And that God feeds them and takes care of them. And, he's t- and Jesus is saying to you and I, don't worry about these things because your life is more important than anything, and your body is more important than clothing. And why is the body more important than clothing? Because God dwells in you. God lives in your body, and he will guide you, and he will direct you. And when it comes to food, don't worry about it. Don't get bent out of shape. God will make sure that all of your needs are met according to his riches and glory. Even your stored up foods or the provision for the future of the things that are coming, you have to balance the word of God. The idea is don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And yet God tells Noah, prepare your ark. And so while you're preparing, while you're building, God is providing, you're not worrying. You're not worrying about your life. You're not trying to save your life in fear like people that don't have hope. No, there is a wisdom to preparation. There is a wisdom. We thank God for the food and the clothing and the provision that God has given each one of us. But know this, if we were to stand out in the open field and to be completely naked without anything, as long as God is with us, we will be taken care of. That's why I don't believe if we're truly disciples of Christ, we're going to find ourselves naked and destitute and without. And even if we were, if we have a proper relationship, we would be okay. What's the point? Again, Jesus talking to you and I today, he says it again, take no thought for your life. Don't worry. Don't worry. And then he goes on to say this, and which of you with taking thought, worrying, being anxious or concerned for your life, which of you by taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? How many of you could add an inch to your stature? You think you could stretch long enough? Heck no. If you then be not able to do that thing which is least, you can't even add an inch to your stature, then why take you thought for the rest? Why take you thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. 
They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not... Ye, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Wow. What a way to live. I mean, and and again, you have to put this in a proper perspective called balance. God is not calling us to lazy, irresponsible living. God is calling us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And while we're doing that, reading and studying the word, we get instructions on how to live, wherein comes the provision for the things that we have need of, our food, our shelter, our clothing. But our emphasis and our idea and our primary reality is never on those things. The nations of the earth who have no hope of eternal life, they think that what they have right here and right now is going to save them. The bottom line, every human being, if the Lord were to tarry, is going to die. You can't have enough medical insurance. You can't have enough food in your cupboard. You can't have enough money in the bank. You cannot have all the provisions of the world. You're going to die anyways. You cannot save your life by gathering up the things of the world. Now, you could live an abundant life by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you, while you're getting spiritual treasures built into your heart, and that's what it says in 33, sell what you have, give alms, provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupts, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus is saying, if you are putting your trust in the things of this world, the only right thing for you to do if you're born again is to give them all away, sell it and give it away, and come follow Jesus, showing that he is the priority, the one you really trust. He's not saying if you trust him and seek him, and he's providing for you all the necessary things to give those things away, because he's already got you to understand that your trust is in him, not in the stuff. And yet he knows you need food. He knows you need clothing. If you walked around naked, you'd wind up in jail, right? So he knows what you need, shelter over your head. He knows it. So as you're seeking him and loving him and, and, and the things of the spiritual realm are the real treasures in your life, well, then all these other things, it could be useful to give them where God needs you to give, provide for others, take care of your needs, but you're never relying or trusting in those things. We live with the things of this world very loosely. We have a loose grip on everything we have, no doubt about it, but a tight hold on spiritual things. So that's what Jesus is saying. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So let our treasure be in Christ 
Let our treasure be in the spiritual reality of heaven, eternal life, glorified bodies. I mean, everything that the Bible talks about. And then on this earth, we have our needs met as we're serving the purposes of the Lord. I wanted to give that to you today because you're going to want to apply that reality to your life when you see what God is saying is taking place in the world in which we live. All right, so that is kind of our opening today. And now, as I said at the very beginning, I have never been so nervous. I have been, but it's been a long time since I've been so nervously excited in a godly way with trembling in my spirit to release what I have just recently discovered in Revelation chapter 13. I've been reading my Bible for 39 years. I do not plagiarize. I learn a lot from what a lot of people say, but I'm not a plagiarist. I love studying the Word of God. I love going deep into the Word of God. I love breaking every word down to its finite meaning. I just love doing that. And then we go through seasons where we're just kind of repeating and going over and mulling over the things we've learned. But every once in a while, when we get up early, the early bird gets the worm, we discover a pearl. And I found a pearl today. And I want to share it with you because it's a timely word. It's really about what is already taking shape in the world in which we live. But more importantly, by the time we get to the book of Revelation chapter 13, we need to know what to expect Okay, as saints of God that are going to be alive and remaining during the great tribulation, we do not believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. And if you're wondering why we don't, just let me know and we'll go through the scriptures again. We'll let the word of God interpret itself and we'll show clearly and plainly that what so many are calling a pre-tribulational rapture is simply not true. There's some error there that needs to be corrected. We can go through that if you're willing. I don't want to just say there's not one and you say, well, yes, there is one. No, we want the word of God to tell us both what is the truth about this issue. Will, if in fact we are the final generation and the great tribulation is coming, will we be alive and remaining and have to go through and endure to the end of that great tribulation? Or will we be removed from the earth before it happens? Well, the Bible tells us emphatically the truth, but somehow people believe something else. So if you're interested, we'll go into it again. I've taught it for many years. We'll go in and we'll teach it again. And it's so beautiful and revelatory and simple. And why people want to complicate it, it's just kind of an end time uh, fairy tale and a fable, a doctrine of demons to disarm God's people from preparing, just like once saved, always saved is the same kind of doctrine uh, to get people disarmed to think they could live any way they want and they're still going to go to heaven because they got the Jesus card from saying a prayer at the altar. The Bible does not support that doctrine. It does not teach that. Uh, the Bible, in fact, teaches a great falling away. People that once walked in love, their love will wax cold. And, I mean, we could show scripture after scripture about people getting saved, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and then returning to the world being entangled, and the latter end for them worse than their beginning. The scriptures are clear. But people, by the millions, are believing these false doctrines, and that's what Paul said would happen in the last days. False teachers would preach things 
so that they would tickle people's ears to make them feel good about what they're hearing and not have to worry about the things that are coming. And we shouldn't be worried about the things that are coming, but we should be prepared. And we should, like Noah, when God told Noah, prepare your ark, he moved in fear, prepared his ark. What fear? The fear of what was coming? No. The fear of the Lord, the respect and honor to God, that God revealed to him something was coming, and it was his responsibility to respond to God, regardless of the mocking society around him, to do what God told him to do. Now, having said that, let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 13. And we're going to begin in Revelation, chapter 13, verse 11. We've already talked about the first beast. Now we're going to get into the second beast of Revelation 13. Now I'm going to have to take this really slow, so stay with me. Revelation 13, 11, and I beheld another beast. Coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. All right, that's where we're going to start. Number one, the word beast, and this is just studying the Greek, okay? This is just being upfront, kind of surface study. I saw a beast. The beast oftentimes represents an antichrist. And remember, in the epistles of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, he talks about there being many antichrists, and then he talks about the antichrist. The second beast is antichrist. It's another antichrist. There be many antichrists. In other words, this beast is part of the antichrist system reality. So I saw another beast, an antichrist, and it refers in the Greek both his person and his kingdom and power. So this this is a, a very personalized system, person, kingdom, power. It always refers to this beast, brutal, bestial man, savage, ferocious. So by the time we get to the Great Tribulation, which we're standing right now at the sixth seal, as I understand it, and and we're in a pause in the pangs right now, as we approach this, we know that there are savage, brute beasts, which represent kingdoms and empires and kings, okay? And this is, I beheld another beast belonging to the Antichrist kingdom and reality. He was coming up. Out of the earth. Now, the, the phrase there, coming up out of the earth, the, word, the, the phrase coming up is the anababino, anababino. And the anababino in the Greek refers to go up, to arise, to ascend up, or to climb up. Okay? So I, I beheld this beast coming up, climbing up, ascending, arising up, out of, and the, and the phrase there, out of, is the ek in the Greek, and it literally denotes the origin or the point 
whence action or motion proceeds. So wherever this beast is coming up out of, it denotes the point whence action or motion proceeds. So there will be a a moment where this beast will climb up, ascend up. It will come up out of, okay, the earth. So it's coming out of the earth, and that is the gay, G-H-A-Y. And that literally means a region or the solid part or the whole of the terrain globe, okay, or including the occupants in each application. So, again, out of the ground, out of the land, out of the world, out of the humanity, there is a beast coming. So out of 8 billion people and governments and cities and nations all over the world, we have this beast coming up out of the earth. Now, here's something that I found interesting. He had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke as a dragon. And this is where I want to focus a lot of the attention today. Two horns like a lamb. Well, number one question I had was, does a lamb have horns? And when you go and you study lambs having horns, they get into lambs, rams, and sheep. They seem to be interchangeable. Uh, Ram is more the male. And then you have the lamb, you have the sheep. Um, and what I found interesting about this beast had two horns like a lamb is that lamb or a, a lamb was a deity in Egypt. It was an idol. It was a god. Let me explain. All right. So first of all, what we're going to do is we're going to go back to, and let me get my Bible for this. We're going to go back to Exodus chapter 8. We're going to let the Bible interpret itself here. So Exodus chapter 8, let's read in verse 25. Listen carefully. Exodus 8, 25, and then we'll go into a little more detail. Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, it is not meat so to do. It's not good. For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians. In other words, Moses is saying, and this is Torah, and this is confirmed. Moses is saying to Pharaoh, no, we're not going to go out there and sacrifice uh, our sacrifices because we're sacrificing lambs. And that is the abomination of the Egyptians because the lamb in Egypt is a deity, a god to be worshipped and idolized. And if the Egyptians, listen to what he says, he says, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? In other words, the Egyptians view the lamb as an idol or a god. And if they see us sacrificing these lambs, they're going to kill us. That's what he says. Shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? Will they not stone us? Instead, he says, we're going to go three days 
journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. Now, let's, let's think about it. Interprets itself. Egypt symbolically represents a global world power. Okay? In the first beast, we have a global one world governmental system of government, politics, military power, judiciary. It's all encompassing. Now we have a lamb, okay, that has two horns. A lamb with two horns. A lamb was a deity, a god in Egypt. Moses was told by God to go out and to sacrifice lambs, sheep, rams. They're all interchangeable. Okay? Now, the horns always represent courage or power or strength. Um, in, an, in ancient Egypt, the lamb was idolized. It was one of the main gods of the Egyptian nation. It represents a, a pagan spiritual deity. The horns, again, represent courage or power. And let, let me just see if I took the note here on the horns. Okay, so the horns, if we look up the very word, it had two horns. The word horns is the kiras, and it means... Um, and, and this is the real definition here. Um, in the Hebrew, it symbolizes the strength and courage and is used as such in variety of phrases. In other words, it is to defend themselves with horns, but it also talks about a mighty, valiant helper. Um, it talks about... Um, okay, just the more of the courage and the symbol of strength. So, in the one world government that is coming upon the earth, there is going to be a helper, a valiant helper to the first beast, which is the second beast, but his description is one of the gods of Egypt. So we're getting into now worship, okay? We're getting to a spiritual phenomena here. Now, we're going to move into a little bit more detail. I want to get into this lamb worship. Now, he spoke as a dragon. A dra the dragon is a symbol for Satan. Understand that the dragon goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, known as the serpent. And in Revelation chapter 20, he's known as the dragon, the serpent, um, and he has all the devil. Okay, so there's all these titles for the same being, and the dragon spoke to Eve or Mrs. Adam in the garden near to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the dragon, the serpent, spoke very craftily. This is important. Okay, so this lamb-like beast with two horns is speaking very persuasive words. Okay, it speaks, the dragon, it speaks like a dragon. And it's very persuasive, and the dragon persuaded Eve to partake of the knowledge of good and evil. So we're getting into words here now. All right, so I want to go back 
and look at a little bit of how this deity in Egypt actually worked. And in order to do that, we're going to go to Exodus, and I just want to start in Exodus chapter 8, all right? Exodus chapter 8, verse 7. We've already been in verse 26. So listen to some of these scriptures, and maybe you'll remember the story of what was going on in Egypt in the days of Moses and Aaron when the children of Israel were in the house of bondage. In Exodus chapter 8, we'll we'll read it in, I'll just pick it up in verse 5. The Lord spoke unto Moses, say unto Aaron, stretch forth your hand with your rod over the streams and over the rivers and over the ponds and cause frogs to come up out of the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. Verse 7, and the magicians did so with their enchantments. Who? The magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land. Now, there's a reason why we're talking about this, okay? And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but here we go. So in the land of Egypt, the global power of the world, there were magicians that, like a lamb speaking like a dragon, they had enchantments, okay? Now I want to do something else here. Let's go back. I want to go to verse 18 and uh, Exodus Oh, let's start in 16. So here's Exodus 8:16. The Lord said to Moses, say unto Aaron, stretch out your rod, smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast, and all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Verse 18. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not, so there were lice upon man and beast. So the magicians are at work again. And then I go back to verse, and I'll just pick it up from here, verse 19. And then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Verse uh, Exodus 9, 11, and the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. And you'll remember that the magicians also turned their rod into serpents, and then Aaron's rod swallowed up their serpents, right? So my point is that Egypt has contained within it a sorcery, a religion. It has an ability in the occult knowledge of things, what you're going to find out here in just a moment, and what shows up in the last days. Now, I want you to know something that magicians are only spoken of in Genesis, Exodus, and Daniel. In Daniel chapter 120, then all the magicians and astrologers were there. Daniel 2.2 2 talks about the calling of the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers. Daniel 2.27, it called the astrologers and the magicians and the soothsayers. Daniel 4.7 came in the magicians, the astrologers. Daniel 4.9, the magicians. Uh, and then there is Belshazzar, 
master of the magicians. So we have a master magician in Belshazzar. And then it talked about, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, no secret troubles thee. Now, Daniel 5.11 is the last time that the word magicians is used in scripture, and it's referring to the master of the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. All right. Wow. So to me, that was kind of exciting. But what does the word magician actually mean? Well, in all the scriptures, the word magician is the cartome, the cartome. It almost sounded like cartoon, but it's not cartoon. It is the cartome. And a cartome is a horoscopist, okay, as drawing magical lines or circles. Magical lines or circles is a magician, a horoscopist. It's an engraver. Listen, it is an engraver or a writer, somebody who writes. And it's derived in the sense of one possessed of occult knowledge, a diviner, an astrologer, okay? And it is also the teller of hidden things. Let's go a little deeper. A magician also comes from the Hebrew word, the karet. So we go from the cartoon to the karet, and it means to engrave or a chisel or a graving tool, and it boils down in the Hebrew to a pen, like a pencil and a pen for writing. So who are the magicians of Egypt? Well, they have two horns. They're supportive of the first beast, and these magicians were supportive of who? Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the king, the Pharaoh of Egypt. The helpers, the second beast, these horn-like beasts with the two horns and speak like a dragon, these are the ones who speak with occult knowledge, dark sayings, satanic engravings, chiseling. And what do they do? They literally engrave in the minds of the masses the secret knowledge of the enemy to cause the masses to go astray. All right, let's go back to Revelation chapter 13. Let's read it again with a little bit of information that we have. I beheld in verse 11, another beast coming up out of the earth. This is a helper to the first beast. He had two horns like a lamb. So he comes with courage and power and strength. And he has this, uh, this, this ability to help. And he had two horns like a lamb. So it's the Egyptian deity god, one of the high-ranking gods of Egypt. And he spoke as a dragon, so he speaks, engraves, chisels in the mind of man, words, secret words and knowledge, okay? And what does he do in verse 12? He exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, the magicians of Egypt were trying to convince all the people to worship Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, right? 
And this is important because the dragon, remember what we talked about the other day? I think it was yesterday, that in Ezekiel, it tells us that God was speaking a prophetic word through Ezekiel to tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great dragon. So Egypt was actually identified as the great dragon. In the book of Revelation, we have a great red dragon, and we have a dragon which is satanic in the spirit realm over a one-world government. Egypt symbolized a global government. It has a pharaoh, the man of sin, Nimrod, the son of rebellion, Lucifer, right? All of these titles. So you have Pharaoh, king of Egypt, but then you have, he has his helpers, the magicians, the spiritual advisors who are into occult knowledge. What's happening in the world today? Where are we going today? Are there magicians in the world today that are engraving in the minds of man secret occult knowledge through New Age metaphysics, occultism, sorcery, witchcraft? Oh, there are many magicians. And is there a master magician in the land today? Oh, I dare say that there is, and that's why you got to watch your mind, because this master magician is going to have the power to do what? To cause the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. So we're getting into the realm of worship, and that word worship there, by the way, in Revelation 13, 12 is prosconio, and it means to kiss the hand or in token reverence, also among the Orientals and especially the Persians, it was to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence. And it is, again, licking the master's hand like a dog that licks the hand to prostrate one itself, to adore, to reverence. So this master magician, Second beast, lamb, Egyptian deity God that causes the whole world to worship the Pharaoh of the world, which is a type and shadow. Pharaoh in the days of Moses, type and shadow of the end time man of sin, son of perdition. Okay. This engraving, chiseling, writing with the pen in the minds of men is all getting people to worship the beast. Now, Verse 13 says, verse 13 says, and he does great wonders. So this master magician, okay, the magicians of Egypt, the spiritual advisors to the beast, the ones that cause worship of the world, so I got to guard your mind again, he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, here is something very interesting. He does great wonders. Well, the word wonders there is basically semion, which is the miracles. Okay? And the definition is signs, marks, tokens, uh, that by which a person or thing is distinguished from others. It's a prodigy, a portent, an unusual occurrence, transcending the common course of nature. So this, just like the magicians of Egypt have the ability to turn their staff into a snake or to turn their other things into, they were using all their magic, right? But God's power was always greater. Hallelujah. So 
but they have this ability to do this magic, this magic. Now, this one has, he does great wonders so that he makes fire. The word fire is the word poor, P-O-O-R in the Greek. And that word poor, which is interesting, is a primary word, fire, but literally or figuratively, specially lightning. Okay? So this beast literally does great wonders so that he makes lightning come down from heaven. Now, the phrase there, come down from heaven, is very interesting because I want you to notice this. To come down literally means it's the the catabaneo and eno, and it means to descend. Okay, it has it's kind of a definition to descend, uh, to fall down, to fall down. That's important. And now I want you to notice Luke chapter. 10 verse 17 Luke 10:17 The 70 returned again with joy saying Lord even the devils are subject unto us through thy name verse 18 And Jesus said unto them I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven Now remember the magicians of Egypt always counterfeit the things of God. That's why we have to be so careful because everything God does, the devil has a counterfeit through the occult spirit of sorcery, witchcraft, and the magicians, astrologers, and all these people of Egypt. To me, that's amazing. So we have another connection In Revelation 13, he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, before I shift to another verse, I want you to notice something. This second beast, these magicians, this master magician, he's controlling all the other lesser magicians who are writing, engraving, chiseling thoughts and ideas in the minds of the masses to get them to worship the dragon. It's all moving in that direction. He also causes fire to come down from heaven, and verse 14 says, and deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of, the beast. Now, I want to stop there for just a moment. Who is this that does great wonders? He makes fire come down from heaven on the side, on, on the earth, out of heaven on the earth, in the sight of men, and deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles. Well, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll pick it up in verse um, seven, and we got to put this in proper context, okay? Well, let's let's start in verse eight. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, let me just explain that for just a moment. 
that has a direct reference to Revelation 19. What is what Paul's writing here is the time is going to come when the man of sin, the wicked one, is going to be revealed. And that's when he's going to have his three-and-a-half-year period in the Great Tribulation. Revelation 12, he falls out of heaven onto the earth. Remember, like lightning. I saw Satan has lightning. So he's coming out. He's got three-and-a-half years. He knows he has a short time. Paul's referring to that. And the time that the Lord is going to slay him is in Revelation 19 when he comes and he does exactly what this says he's going to do. With the breath of his mouth, the sword out of his mouth, the Lord's going to do this. All right? And that's important because that Revelation 19 coming to the Lord is the only coming when Jesus brings his armies onto this earth to deal with the Antichrist, false prophet, the dragon, all that, and to set up his millennial kingdom. The coming of the Lord immediately after the tribulation is not the Revelation 19 coming. You'll notice in all the other comings of the Lord after the tribulation, he's staying in the clouds. The dead rise, we meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds. He never makes landfall until Revelation 19. That's important. We'll talk about that on another day. But now Jesus says, talking about the man of sin, or Paul says, the man of sin who the Lord will slay when he comes, He said, even him, this is the Antichrist, the beasts, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power. So this one is coming with all power and signs and lying wonders. So he has the very power of Satan with power, signs, and lying wonders. That's your beast of Revelation 13. And with all deceivableness, so he comes to deceive the whole world, of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So how did he deceive them? By words, by chiseling, by engraving with the pen, with the narrative. He's moving in through mechanisms around the world, i.e. the news media, come on, and all the mechanisms of impartation, all the mechanisms of narration, everything that is being spoken around the world and all the different influences around the world, many magicians, a master magician over them all, inscribing in the minds of the masses deception, of unrighteousness in them that perish. So the, the, the magician and the magicians are putting in the minds of the masses doctrine, narration, thoughts, words, ideas that are not lining up with what true righteousness is. He'll do it through a church. He'll do it through a pulpit. He'll do it through a magazine. He'll do it through a book. He'll do it through any mechanism possible to get people deceived enough to receive impartation, doctrine, narration in them that does not line up with true righteousness. There are a lot of people in church that are not lined up with the true righteousness of God. Wow, because even the Bible has been manipulated by the devil. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness, the devil used scripture to try to twist things and turn things around? Well, Jesus didn't fall from it, and yet there are millions today 
Obviously, look at the condition of the church where the devil has gotten hold of the Bible and the teachers of the Bible to turn the meaning of things so that people don't line up with the rigid righteousness that God requires for salvation. All right, so hold on. We're not done yet. Now, so Revelation 13 Verses 13 and 14, we see the 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, okay? Wicked one, same description. And then it says in verse 14, and he deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles. And I'm in Revelation now, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live and what is the word image is an icon it's an icon that's where we get the icon the i-c-o-n it's an image it's an idol and the word icon literally talks about a likeness statue a representation or a resemblance. And that word comes from the ICO to be like. So what are they asking for? So they're asking for this beast is doing what? He's saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, the first beast, the Pharaoh, okay, which had the wound by a sword and did live. Now, what we know scripturally is that there have been images or icons or statues that men have built going all the way back to Nimrod in the Tower of Babel. The tower is also like a statue. The tower, if we were to go back here and look at the word tower just for a moment, uh, the, for the Tower of Babel, let's get a little definition on that. And we talked about the towers yesterday. And they built themselves a tower. And that word tower there is the Migdal or the Migdal. And it means a tower by its site, a rostrum, a pyramid, pyramidal. Uh, it talks about a castle. Okay, and so you get into these different definitions, and it's from another word, the gadol, meaning to be or to make large, and it goes into all these different thoughts about a tower. So, so a tower is an icon. It's an image, if you will. And then let's get back to where we were. I have to do this. He had, so he said to make an image to the beast who had the wound by a sword and did live. Now, in the days of Daniel in Babylon, we find the same exact thing. They built an actual statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, this was an image to the man of sin, Nebuchadnezzar, type and shadow, of the man of sin that will show up in the last days. So we have pharaohs, we have kings of Babylon, 
and we have mankind making images that everybody bows down and worships. So we ask today, what kind of an icon, what kind of an image is being erected so that the whole world, the people that dwell on the earth, will do what? To worship. Okay, they had power to just say and make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And verse 15 of Revelation 13 says, and he had power to give life unto the image. All right. So this is different than a statue. This sounds more like a hologram. This sounds more like technology because he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So do you remember when the uh, Erdogan, the, 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 the leader of Turkey, uh, had all the people, and, and there was an icon, there was a hologram of him in the heavens, and he spoke to the masses through a hologram? You remember that? It was a few years ago. You should search that out. So in some way, this second beast had power to give life under the image of the beast. So the people create the image, then he gives life to the image. Now, that could be the, through the television, through the Internet, the news media, the builders of the new world order, the builders of the one world government, all of the kings of the earth, the leaders of the world, all these people. These are the builders, okay? And they're building an empire for the beast, the first beast. The second piece is using words, occult languages, chiseling, engraving. Sorry for going over it so many times. And it says that, they, that he gives it power that the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed, just like Daniel. If you don't bow down, if you don't worship, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. The Bible is interpreting itself. Verse 16, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. All right, so here's where... I'm going to call upon you to get your help. I've got to find a way. I've thrown a tremendous amount of information, you know, biblical scripture, and I, I need to put it together now because there's a message for you and I from the Father in the book of Revelation. There's a message for us. Number one, be very careful what's going into your head. The magician's of the new world order, the Egyptian pyramidal empire, are spewing forth words all over the world, and they have more mechanisms to do it now. We desire to bring forth and to impart and to release the word of God in the minds of those who are tuned in to hear the words of God. We, and, and people in church do not always hear the word of God. We are not uh, building ourselves up. We're just saying this is what we do. 
We preach the word of God. When somebody tells us there's a preacher of rapture, we search it out in scripture. We say, where is it? And when we cannot find it, we could find an absolute contrary reality to that. We tell it. We speak it. We speak and we show the word of God, not our opinions. And every preacher out there or teacher that says that the pre-tribulational rapture doctrine is found in 1 Thessalonians 4, absolutely zero evidence of a pre-trib rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And yet people by the millions swallow that up. There's a spirit behind it of deception, whether intended or not. Now, we got to talk. The message from the Father is by the time we get to the global one world government, great tribulation, which is not God's wrath, it is the dragon's wrath that's being poured out for three and a half years because he has fury because he was cast onto this earth. He's going to control every mechanism in the world. He's going to control social media. He's going to control politics. He's going to control government, military, court, entertainment. Education, every system known to man, he's going to control it. Right now, the magicians are at work. They're already downloading information. Information. They're forming inside of the minds of the masses the words to prepare the masses to receive the beast, the Antichrist, Satan, Lucifer. The masses are already being conditioned through lies, through deception, through blasphemy, okay, against God and against everything called God. And the very best of the followers of Christ and the disciples of Christ are treading water at this point. Jeremiah said the very best of them are as a briar. And we need to do better than that, you and I, right? We need to do better than being just a briar or just treading water. We need to be the overcomers. We need to be the elect of God. We need to be those who get the victory, who walk in the blood of the Lamb. We, we need to be what God has called us to be. All right, and we'll get into that again. Now, the message is watch what you're believing, because there's lies and deception everywhere. We're moving towards the Great Tribulation. I know events have to happen before we actually get there, but my God, the acceleration moment has come. We are living in the season of acceleration. It's been here for about two years now. And we were on this radio broadcast two years ago saying the time of acceleration is coming. And all of a sudden it accelerated into a global shutdown, a lockdown because of the thing called coronavirus, an acceleration of the purposes of evil. And the builders of the new world order have advanced their cause quickly And I'm telling you, the events that are written in the Word of God in the prophecy, known as the book of Revelation, are going to accelerate. And if you're not ready, it'll catch us off guard and we'll get swallowed up by it. So we need to be aware, watching, sober, praying, all the things that God told us to do. Now, this beast, this lamb deity of the Pharaoh kingdom of Egypt, all symbolic of what's coming, He has this power to cause everybody in the world to receive a mark. The word mark there, okay, is the karagma. Now, the karagma simply means, listen to this, 
a scratch or etching, graven, a stamp, a badge of servitude, and the masses are servituding right now to the vaccination that is scratching or etching a mark in their arms, right? Something like that. I don't know. Maybe a preview of what's coming. But the bottom line is there are people in the world lining up with the New World Order far-left people, okay? Now, I want to go different because, remember, words get into people's minds to receive a mark. You got to get the vaccination. You got to get the vaccination. You got to get the vaccination. The words of the occultists, the words of the magicians are spinning lies in the minds of the masses to do what they want them to do. Okay? Now, this is why I got to be careful. It's not only a karagma, but you got to go a little bit deeper into the karagma. The karagma also talks, and this is very interesting, very interesting. The Karagma also speaks of, um, well, maybe I want to go into something else, Karagma. So if I were to look up the word Karagma, let me do it for you real quick. You don't want to miss this. All right, so, so I'm going to go here. Because that word actually means, um, and I, da, 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 da. all right, so I'll, I'll start with this one here. Uh, there was a great, great, uh, let's get out of that for right now. The karagma, the mark, Father, help me in this. So in the definition, I know what I have to do. Hold on one second. Don't go anywhere. Here we go. It, and I don't know why I'm not seeing it on my screen. It should be on the screen. Um, the karagma. We let everything kind of settle for just a moment. And so we're going to get into the scratch, the etching, this mark. In uh, what are they? We're in verse 16, right? To receive a mark. Uh, in. Okay, so in this definition, Revelation 13, 16, and we go here, and I'll cancel that out. And uh, you're not, it, it's worth it. It's worth it. If we get this thing, it's going to be great. Um, to receive a mark. All right, so the mark, again, is the karagma, and it speaks. Ooh, this thing is carved image, a badge of followers. All right. Karagma. You ready? Here it is. Karagma. I don't know if I even spelt it right. No. All right. Bummer. All right. I, I apologize. So let's just do this. All right, boom, boom. Is there a strong Greek? Okay. So the karagma, it has a great meaning to it. Um, there it is. This is what I wanted to get to. All right. So the karagma, literally 
is the epicaragma or the cheesy stigma. All right, it's the cheesy stigma, and I and you can find this um, everywhere on the internet. And I'll and I'm the cheesy stigma six hundred three score and six. Okay, so we're going to look at that in just a moment. Let me go back to Revelation thirteen. All right, so in verse 16, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark, a charig- the karagma, in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name, and here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 603 score and six. Now, in the Greek, that's the chi, z, stigma. The chi, the z, and the stigma. What does that mean? I'm talking about the number 666. All right, I've kind of gone forward. The chi, z, stigma. It is the 22nd, 14th, and an obsolete letter of the Greek alphabet used as numbers denoting respectively 600, 60, and 6 as a numerable. Now, what's interesting about the chi, z, stigma is in the, in the spelling, the chi, the k-h-i is also the c-h-i, and the z is x-i, x-i. Now, it says that the, and I'm going back to Revelation 13, uh, verse 16 or 18, here is wisdom, let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, his number is 603 score and six, cheesy stigma. Now we could look at what that is, but the number cheesy stigma, it actually has a man's name right in the center of it. It's the XI. It is the president of China, President Z, XI. Same exact XI in 603 score and six is a man's name, the president of China, Chi Z Stigma. It's his mark. So, what does that have to do with anything, right? Okay, what I'm going to do because I, I, I don't want to get lost here. I want to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody. I need to find out if you're understanding what I'm understanding, if we're getting on the same page, and how to boil it down into a simple reality. It appears to me that everything going on in this world right now, the Bible has predicted it, and we need to be very watchful and careful as things are lining up. They're not here yet. There is no such thing as a forced vaccination yet. I believe we may be looking at a preview or the, through the acceleration of events. This thing is going to come quickly. Now, has the devil been thrust onto the earth yet? I don't believe so. Uh, has the temple in Israel been rebuilt yet? I don't believe so. It could be in a week. It could be erected in a week. That's how fast things could go. Um, so there are events, are the trumpets, have the trumpets blasted all over the earth? And have we seen what comes with the trumpets? I don't believe so yet. 
I believe that there's no doubt that the scriptures make it clear since 9-11-2001, particularly the first five seals are opened in this prophecy. And we stand at the precipice of the sixth seal. And then chapter seven in the book of Revelation is a pause. Chapters eight and nine are the trumpets, which I would imagine are ready to happen, which is a tremendous amount of asteroidal commentary, meteorite activity, and the earth shaking, men's hearts failing for fear of what they see coming upon the earth, distress of nations, turmoil. We're seeing this already beginning to stir and we may get this, who knows, today it may begin. The first comet will fall from heaven. Who knows where this thing is at. But all of the global reality of the magicians, the narrative, the etchings, the scratchings, the marks, the numbers. By the way, in the Greek, or excuse me, in Roman numerals, in the Latin, in Roman numerals, do you know what the number 600 is? The number for 600 in Roman numeral is D.C. You ever hear of Washington, D.C.? Well, I just thought it was interesting that the number 600 is D.C. The number 60 is the L.X. and the number 6 is the V.I. Now, we look at 666 in the Greek. Okay, in the karagma, and we look at the uh, cheesy stigma or the cheesy stigma. And so we are, I just thought it was interesting, 600 DC. Now, there's all kinds of mysteries, hidden things. Mamma mia. So, what does it mean? What's the point? Remember, we started the program. Do not worry about your life. I wanted balanced perspective. We have to live every day under the stewardship of Christ. He is the good shepherd of our lives. But he is foretelling us of things that are coming. And right now we're in an age through technology that the magicians of the new world order are laboring to get thoughts planted and engraved in our minds and our souls. And I'm saying to you basically through this whole thing, Bury yourself in the Word of God and study the Word of God. Start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Just go for it. Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy, all of the scriptures. Get in there. Get in there. Immerse your mind. Washing by the water of the Word. Wash out of you thoughts and ideas that are not true. I mean, I could do that with you. I could do that for you if you needed the help. I could show you that there's no pre-trib rapture. And the reason why I would show you, because it would be very dangerous to go forward into this time thinking you're not going to be here when you're going to be met with the savagery of the greatest evil that is coming on this earth. And Jesus Christ never once told us there was a disappearing act. Ever. He said, get ready, you're going through the great tribulation, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Come on, the apostles didn't talk about it. And I fear that many saints are going to be caught off guard because they're not ready for the dread evil that the Bible talks about. And rather than you know, immersing ourselves in the narration of the world and doctrine of false religion, you've got to get back to Scripture not ideas. 
and ideas that are put in us through scripture that is twisted is not healthy. I'm telling you, spend your time going back into the Bible. Read the Bible with an understanding. Don't worry about your life. Holy Spirit will guide you. Supernatural miracles from God are always greater than the magicians of Egypt, just like Moses' power was greater than all of Egypt. God's power is greater, so tune into God's power. Get familiar with God's power, and what is God's power? Behold, I will give you the Holy Spirit, and you shall receive power. The power of God is in the Holy Spirit. Today is the 46th day of the counting of the Omer, and the people of Israel were to count down with expectation for their next harvest, Shavuot. For you and I, we are expecting on the 50th day was Pentecost, the Holy Spirit of God to come into our lives so that we may be empowered with wisdom and revelation and spiritual intelligence so that we will not be worldly-minded. We will not allow the engravings and the narration of the occult dark secrets of the world to come into our heads about anything. I mean about anything. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And if we are believing anything that is not true, it'll actually leaven our whole loaf. That's why we need to be diligent to take every thought captive, bring it under the obedience of Jesus Christ, and make sure that what we believe is backed up in Scripture. You don't have much time to do it. Neither do I. And you say, well, I've read the Bible for 40 years. Yeah, how many of you know you could read the Bible for 40 years and not know a thing? You could, be, you could be deceived about anything or not understood it properly or a deeper manifestation or a deeper witness to the spirit of truth. So where are you? I, you know, any thoughts, ideas, the number to call 818-369-0326. What did we talk about today? 818-369-0326. Press 1 on your dial pad. I'll bring you right in. We're talking about magicians. They're everywhere. There is a master magician waiting in the wings. The God of Egypt. The deity of Egypt. And by the way, that information's out there too, just in case we didn't know it. Um, if you just... Look up in, in a simple Google search. You could find out uh, were lambs uh, gods in Egypt, and they'll come up with some incredible Torah teaching. I showed you Exodus chapter 8. It was known as the abomination of the Egyptians. And if, they, if the Israelis were going to kill lambs, they would have killed the Egyptians because they revered, like the Hindu Indian people in the Middle East, revere cows. They think cows are sacred. Well, the Egyptians had the lamb to be sacred. And then it shows up a lamb. In the book of Revelation, in the last days, the end is revealed from the beginning. And it causes everybody to worship the Pharaoh of the world, the Lucifer that's coming. Okay. Well, man, I know we have a lot more to learn. But we, can we take this information and make it useful 
to our lives. You know what I, I believe God wants you and I to do? Every person that you talk to and you listen to, ask God to give you a hearing ear, whether they are spewing out babble and all they're doing is regurgitating worldly ideas and thoughts, or if they're coming out of the word of God. And then if you find a brother or sister speaking babble, and they're just regurgitating the thoughts of the narration of the magicians of the world in any direction, and you need to hear it, you need to gently, lovingly say to them, that's not the word of God. That's not the word of God. Someone tells you about the preacher of rapture, that's not the word of God. What do you mean that's not the word of God? Well, let me show you. How many of you believe that the word of God says that there's a preacher of rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4? Oh, I do, I do. Okay, let's go and look. And then you show them that's not in the word of God. Once saved, always saved. Christians can't have demons. I mean, go on down the list. Be careful what you hear. Didn't Jesus say, be careful how you hear? Be careful. Give me a hearing ear. Let me hear. Let me hear the words of God so that I'm not listening to the magicians of the New World Order who are speaking dark sayings out of an occultic witchcraft spirit of sorcery that is deceiving people to believe lies. I don't want to believe a lie. I want to believe the truth. And there's only one source of truth. And that truth is God's word, God's son, God's spirit. That's it. And if you study it, I guarantee you, if you say, Holy Spirit, teach me the word of God, you're going to find the, the resources of eternal life. You're going to find the resources of divine healing. You're going to find the power of God that can do anything. And remember, in all of Egypt's magicians, God's power was greater. And where is God's power? It is in the Holy Spirit to give you divine intelligence, wisdom, revelation, knowledge, understanding, comprehension, and ability. Folks, this is the time. Rid ourselves of all things that are not true. You know, the Bible says, God, um, let's see, one of these favorite ones. Uh, Cleanliness is next to godliness. The Bible says that. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Wives' tales, fables, fairy tales, doctrines of demons, they're going to be everywhere. How do you know that you're not supporting one? I need to know. I'm doubly accountable because not only am I accountable for what I believe, but I'm accountable for what I'm telling other people. And I just found something today about the two-horned lamb at the end times and how lambs were deity gods in Egypt and how they're there to support through courage and strength the first beast, the Pharaoh. The ancient magicians supported Pharaoh, the first beast. And so I'm seeing in these last days, this is all magically working. A lot of magic, a lot of wizardry, a lot of sorcery, a lot of deception. One holy truth. You want to know the truth? By his stripes, you are healed. That's the truth. 
Will that truth make way into your spirit so that your faith can apprehend that promise? That's depending on your faith. That's depending on where you stand. The word of truth tells us nothing is impossible with God. Jesus Christ heals lepers. He makes all things new. He's clean. He's powerful. You've got to operate in that power. But if you're listening to the world's power, the magicians, you're, there's a power there, but you're operating in a lesser power. A counterfeit power. New Agers do it all the time. Metaphysics, New Age, Science of Mind, blah, blah, blah. Oh, we got this wisdom and this intelligence. It's occultic. It's sorceretic. It's all these things. No, it's not. It's real, but it's demonic wisdom, and it's lower. Tap into the wisdom of God. All of God's creatures, all human beings should come out of the satanic delusion. And receive the love of the truth, the word of God, the message of God to the whole earth. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we say that are in the Bible that are not in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? All right, so nobody wants to talk to me today. That's okay. That's all right. I've only got 60 seconds left anyways. I hope and pray that what I shared with you today will be helpful to your walk with the Lord. I'll see you tomorrow. By the way, we could certainly use a financial blessing. We've been very quiet. We haven't asked for anything. We want you to remember, if you love this ministry, to support it financially. That would be awesome. Thank you to those of you who do, when you do, but we could use a gusher right now, just a supportive underground financial blessing so that we could keep doing what we're doing and go out even further into new territory. If you desire to support this ministry, you could do it by going to our website at omegaradio.org or nwmglobal.org. There's tons of ways to find us and to support the ministry. If you do, God bless you. Thank you so much for doing it. Either way, we'll see you tomorrow. I'm Pastor Vince. Got to go. There's a ministry right now on Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Again, I'm playing it a second time. And after this meeting, there's, uh, after this controlling spirit, and that's what's in the world today, and that's what the roundtable discussion is all about, And then right after that, I'm going to be playing a Carl Gallup's interview. So Omega Radio, it's there for you, omegaradio.org. God bless you, saints. We'll be seeing you very, very soon tomorrow. We'll talk. Shalom. God bless. Have a great day.